Sweet. All right. Covenant well, of Redemption. Yes. Um, I don't know. How do we want to get into this? Um, tie it into the previous section, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so we have the New Covenant uh, come, uh, but the question that Rhodes poses is, how does this actually deal with the problem? Um, basically, how does Christ coming actually um, not just fulfill um, a lot of the promises, but also deal with the covenant curses that have uh, come before, right? So you have God in covenant with people that have sinned and broken covenant, broken fellowship, broken uh, his law. And so how is it that he can move forward with those same people uh, and be just while also justifying them? Um, That's basically the question he poses. Um, with just the language from Paul. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that, and then also, what's the the Old Testament scripture on? He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. That's, that's right. That's yeah. a big part of. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. In Exodus, where yeah. God passes by Moses, and that's right. Such a good, it, it says he declares it. Thirty-four, yeah. sixty-seven. He declares it. I think that's so cool. Like, I think so the coolest cool. part about that is like he passes by, and it says he de- and then his he declares his name, and it's not just like. You know, God. It's yeah, like mm-hmm. his name is the Lord, the Lord, who is gracious, and, you know, merciful. Yeah, merciful I mean, and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast yeah. love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions yeah. and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. You right. thought you thought Spanish names were long. <laughs> Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Mm. This is, um, not only is it interesting that this is God declaring his name, which he goes on later to say, my name is Jealous, uh, which is interesting too. Um, But this is, uh, as far as um, this point in scripture, this is a high revelation of who God is, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is the high revelation of his character. Um, So much so that this is actually just then repeated over and over. And so... Um, yeah, so it's, it is striking, but you're right that you have that tension that he brings up of forgiving iniquity and transgression sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. Yeah. So how can it be that Mm -hmm. he forgives while not clearing the guilty? And this is such, man, this is so important. Mm. This is so good. Uh, that we talk about this. And so 35 or 34, this is chapter 34 of Exodus, um, verse six. There you go. Yeah, the Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. That's, man, there's so much going on here mm-hmm. that is fascinating and wonderful and mysterious and glorious. Um, so, yeah, so this is repeated a lot um, in the Psalms, mm-hmm. this name yep. of God. Um, it's repeated at times in the prophets. It's um, something that is clearly a, a central revelation of who God is. And this is where, if you remember, Moses comes down with shining face after mm-hmm. this. Um, and yeah. yeah, the people couldn't even look at Moses, who was merely reflecting right. the glory of God. Yep. Right, the glory of God, which is taken up in this name. Yeah. Mm. Um, and this, uh, I think, should point us to, in, in part, remind us of Second uh, yeah. Corinthians 4, uh, where mm-hmm. uh, we read about, you know, <clears throat> the, the glory of God in the face of Christ. So this mm-hmm. is... Um, 
beginning at the beginning of chapter four says, therefore having the ministry by having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We we refuse to practice cunning and tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, remember Moses veiled his Mm -hmm, face, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as servants. For Jesus' sake, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And um, it was just before this in chapter three that uh, Paul talks about Moses veiling his face, the people not being able to look on him um, for the, you know, because of the glory of God that shown on his face and now we're told that you know in in even greater way it's in the face of christ that his glory is revealed i think we should take that and say okay so it's in christ Mm. that we see this the name of god like most Mm. clearly this revelation of god how do we see that god is merciful gracious slow to anger abounding steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love forgiving and yet not clearing the guilty yeah it's in christ that's how we see it and specifically it's yeah, it's Christ, and specifically, it's the the cross, mm-hmm. right? Where it's it's love, mercy, but also justice. It's mm-hmm. all right there because it's justice because the sins of the world are being the wrath of God is being poured on the sins of the world, who Jesus vicariously took on Himself. Uh, but it's it's love and mercy that He He's doing it on our behalf that He's standing in our place. So right there at the cross, you see kind of that that tension right the lord who's merciful is loves abounding and but he'll by no means clearly guilty it's right there like on his death on the cross hmm. yeah that's that's uh the response to some of the questions posited by rhodes's thought on paragraph 113 where he writes god cannot just arbitrarily decide to let a bunch of people off their sin Forgiveness cannot come about by God closing his eyes and allowing a chosen few to sneak over the back wall into heaven. Something has to be done about what what are his three G's? The the grave, crime, guilt. Yeah, grave, crime, guilt, yeah. Yeah, it's so good and important because we do think of forgiveness a lot of times as oh, we'll just forget about that. Mm-hmm. We won't we won't think about that. We'll just we'll just move on. Yeah. Get a little I haven't noticed that for a while. I'm malfunctioning here with my crazy. And I was looking for a good opportunity to tell you. That was you. good. You, you seized it. Um, <laughs> the grime. The grime. Got to get it. Illustrate it. I'm, I'm curious, Andrew. So for you, on, on 113, 1 and 114, yeah. he talks about faith here. He says, let's clarify one thing first. Many Christians think the answer to the way oh, yeah. is obvious. They're happy to say that God can forgive us because we have faith and leave it pretty much at that. And then he says, but to be blunt, faith itself never saved anyone. Well, Andrew, you're coming and speaking on this topic later. Yeah. So, Yeah. I actually had a note here that I wrote in and so I think this is this we have to we have to read him carefully here because we could look at that and say faith does not save anyone and be like what is well by grace you're saved through faith like what's wrong with this guy but you have to understand it's not the subjective faith of the individual that is that is salvific it's the object of the faith that's salvific right so I, I said it's not the fact that we have faith rather it is the object of, of our faith that matters mm-hmm. because people have faith in all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's is that the object of what they're putting their faith in is that sufficient to save? And Jesus is. So mm-hmm. he says right here um, at the end of that first paragraph, faith can't save you. But then right at the beginning of the next paragraph, mm-hmm. but Jesus can save us. 
And he sa- he saves us by grace, by his grace, through faith. Right, but but our faith is in a sufficient object. Mm-hmm. Right, praise God. Yeah, mm. love that. Yeah, just uh, just cool. Yeah, that's something that I'd heard a pastor talk about years ago. Like, how peculiar is it that God chooses to save us through the vehicle of faith? Like, yeah, faith, which on its own isn't of special merit or value. Like. It's yeah. only, yeah, precisely yeah. what you're saying. It's only the object of our faith, which, huh? yeah, really does a great job of, like, reminding us to turn our eyes to Jesus and yeah. not to ourselves or to our resolve or our sincerity or our authenticity. Yeah. But it's that, yeah, to Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, and I think he talks about it here, but, you know, like, oh, the devil believes that God. Right. You know, he believes all these orthodox right. beliefs, right? Yep. He, he knows they're true. Right. But he, he doesn't trust in Christ as the, you know, he rebelled against God. Right. He rebelled against mm-hmm. Jesus. Yep. and. What was I gonna say? Totally blanked out. Man, I'll, maybe I'll come back to me. Okay. I'll, take, an, good, I'll take another bite of my sandwich. Good. And maybe <laughs> I'll come back to me. Pastor Michael, do you got any thoughts on 114 to 117? No, it's good. Um, I think you guys uh, covered it well. Uh, faith is an instrument, uh, but the object has to be true, right? The, the object of your faith has to be um, the one and only actual salvation, the mm-hmm. way the truth and the life um, otherwise it's not it doesn't matter right it doesn't it doesn't matter and that is where we go wrong sometimes um, and it doesn't even still even once we say that you know faith in the proper object um, it's important that we keep this reminder that it's faith in the proper object which is Christ crucified mm-hmm. because forgiveness can't just be a well, we're just going to live and let live. We're yeah. going to just put right. it behind us and not right. worry about it. Um, it is true that God uh, will remember our sin no more. It's true that he removes it from us as far as the east is from the west. Um, those things are true, covenantally speaking. But that's only possible because that sin is actually right. punished. All, so all sins, in other words, have to come into judgment. Mm-hmm. God can't be just to let any sin right. uh, from any time right. in any way uh, continue without being punished. Yes. has to be punished um, yep. but that's an, and I think part of this is because we reason backwards so we think about um, the ways that we forgive people and there are times that we forgive people in such a way that we do we just yeah. say it's just behind us there's no punishment there's no like we don't got to deal with it like it's over right, right. We, we forget about it but the only reason we do that and can do that is because we know that that sin has been objectively dealt with in Christ. Right. That's what makes our forgiveness possible. Yeah. Um, otherwise, that's why you know we're told that we forgive because we've been forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, before. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. As as long as you keep that in mind, I think it will it will keep you from running into different problems. Yep. Otherwise, you get into this weird kind of uh, free love, free forgiveness ideals mm-hmm. of a lot of the modern world. I think probably discipled by. Um, a kind of false understanding of God's forgiveness where, um, yeah, it's it's a perfectly fine and even it'll be considered just um, for, uh, you know, somebody who has done, you know, a significant uh, violent act against your family. Well, you just need to, you know, put that behind you mm-hmm. and you need to plead with the judge that that person not be punished. Well, there... That's um, that's actually not necessarily the right way. Now there might be times that it's right to forgive somebody and to even say, "Yeah, I don't want you to be punished for this." Right. Uh, there might be times that that's okay, and that's mercy, right? Yeah. That's what mercy is. 
that's being merciful to somebody. Um, and we can do that. That is something that, that is within our power. But also, it's not wrong for somebody to be punished for the things that they've done. Yeah. That's not um, completely outside of what can happen, even when you forgive, right? Even mm-hmm. when you're willing to forgive, you can forgive somebody and they still yeah. need to be punished for what they do, right? right? Yeah. You can forgive an abusive spouse and they still have to be punished, right? Yeah. Like they, they still need to be arrested. They, yeah. you know, uh, exactly. there, there are, uh, there's just so much uh, kind of broken understanding when it comes to forgiveness yeah. because it's seen as this just totally removed from punishment kind mm-hmm. of a deal. Yeah. Uh, but that's not here, right? And that's that's why this tension exists, that God has to find this way. Um, I shouldn't put it in that way because obviously God, you know, this is part of his plan from the beginning, not like he's scrambling or yeah, something like plan that. plan B right here. Yeah. But there has to be a way in which God can be just and the justifier. He can justify people while still being just yeah. and not um, losing that part of yeah. who he is. And you have to think about it. I don't think many people realize this kind of like oh well like god can just freely forgive or whatever if if that's the case then you're making god out to be a liar because in the garden he says you can eat of any tree you know be fruitful multiply take you know take dominion you can eat of any tree don't eat of that one and then if adam and eve eat of that one he says oh you know what hey let's just put it behind let's try us. it again let's try it again he's a liar yep. you're making god out to be a liar right right he showed mercy on them at that time, but yes. they still died. Yep. And every one of us, they plunged the rest of humanity into sin. Mm. But if God makes comes down and makes covenant with people, and there's covenant blessings for obedience, you know, there's promises of covenant blessings for obedience and promises of covenant cursing for disobedience, he's a liar if he doesn't act on that. Mm. And that's one thing we dare not ever, you know, we dare never say <laughs> that God is a liar. Mm. So that's the problem, is if he doesn't punish the wicked, He's alive, yeah. right? Because that was the covenant. That's the covenant he made. Look, here's the deal. If you stay within covenant, blessings. But if you break it, there's punishment. And if he doesn't act on that, he's going against his own character, he's, you know, which is highly problematic. Right. So this then is the, you know, what kind of brings up the covenant of redemption, mm-hmm. um, the need for a covenant of redemption. Um, and, you know, uh, this is... This is the uh, covenant made between the Father and the Son. Right? So, um, this is this is the inter-Trinitarian covenant. Um, this yep. is not uh, something that happens between us and God, uh, but this is talking about what was planned even before before the creation of the world. Right. Um, how God was going to glorify Himself in redemption through salvation um, in Christ's death. So he brings up John 17, uh, which is just a glorious uh, passage. I'm planning to start preaching through John this coming year. And I've spent, honestly, probably the last two years thinking through it, reading it, um, not studying it maybe in depth, but just meditating on it. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. But John 17 is, um, is spectacular. And there's no other place in scripture like it. It's just not, I mean, yeah. um, John, really John 13 to uh, thirteen to 17 are all, uh, this is, I mean, this is something that John includes that you don't find anywhere else in any of the other Gospels. Um, and a lot of it just has to do with Jesus speaking to the disciples in the upper room and then as they move to the garden and he prays in John 17. So we have what we call the high priestly prayer of Christ. 
And so um, he quotes from John 17, verses 1 to 5, uh, as Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So um, you see some of it right there, right? You've given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom he, you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. I glorified you on earth, have accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's when you're talking about the pre-existence of Christ. Yeah. You know, when people deny um, the deity of Christ, the pre-existence of Christ. But he never said he was God. Right, it's right. Like, he doesn't say he's God. Oh, no, my goodness. <laughs> right. No, it's oh right here. <laughs> what did, what did we, we talked about that before, Michael? People just don't know how to read anymore? Yeah, people don't know how to read <laughs> anymore. Uh, for sure. But yeah, so you have here this, um, this statement of what the Father and Son plan to do and agreed, yeah. you know, in here, covenanted yes. um, in this language, covenanted to do yeah. even, even before man fell into sin. This was already part of the plan. Yeah, and then I, th- I think after that, he gets into the, kind of the condition, right? Talks about, you know, the covenant that God and God the Father and God the Son made and Jesus, the work that the Father had given to Jesus to do. And I, I love how he, he talks about, okay, and what what do they engage upon in this mission? So what were the two aims, like John T. talks about the two aims of, of Christ. And the, the first one, he says, is to glorify God on earth, not make God glorious. And I, I love his, I, I love how he describes this. Clearly God is already as full of glory as he could possibly possibly be. And he has this analogy. He says, if I drive to a new town and spend the afternoon telling everyone how beautiful my wife is, I am not making her more beautiful, but beautifying her in the, in a new place. Mm. So objectively, his wife is already beautiful. And then he's just going to a place where they've never, they haven't heard mm. And telling, hey, this is my wife. She's beautiful. So, it, but he's not making her. He's not adding anything to her. She yeah. already is all that she is. In the same way, Jesus isn't coming down and adding something to God by, hey, like I'm, you know, helping make him more glorious. He's saying, no, God is glorious, and he's revealing God. You know, he's revealing him to uh, mankind. He's not adding something to it. Nothing can be added to God. He's sufficient yep. himself. Um, and then that second task is to give eternal life to all that the Father has given him. Uh, this, in fact, this, in fact, is how he achieves his first goal. By moving Adam's offspring from death to life, he changes them from being people who hate God to people who now love and worship him. So we see, again, kind of that, um, that you know, going back to the, fir- the beginning of the book, where, hey, we're under the federal headship of Adam, and then because we're under his federal headship, we all died. But now a new federal head is coming in and he's moving the offspring of Adam into his, adopting them as his offspring and now moving them from death to life. So. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead. Uh, 117, um, of course, in classic jaunty fashion, uses another list with uh, all the same starting letter, which there's a word. What's the, what's the literary term for... And you have a list, and all the words start with the same letter. Alliteration. Is that it? I think so. I wanted to say that, but I felt dumb <laughs> saying it. But now it's on you. Who might <laughs> now it's on you. So it's going to come back on you. I think hey, you got right. it right last week. So. Yes, that's fair. So, with, yeah. Uh, what was that word? Pro- 
Potentate. 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 Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's Call awesome. Max. Add that to your hey, vocab <laughs> list. Uh -oh. um, yeah, so we see the guilt, the grime, and the grave dealt with now in the righteousness, renewal, and resurrection of Christ. But before that, he talks about passive and active obedience and answers the question to the classical evangelical who could say, you know, it's, we, we talk a lot about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and um, hopefully most evangelicals can argue for, well, hopefully many evangelicals can argue for the necessity of Christ's death and his resurrection. Yes. But this was the first time I saw, I, I've not heard this before, I'm sure that you guys have, but I've not heard before this argument for the life of Jesus and his fulfillment um, of the faithful obedience that Adam was initially called to in the garden. Um, you guys have any other thoughts on active versus passive obedience? Because I hadn't heard these terms before. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad then, because this is such an important. Yeah. Oh, this is such an important distinction. Uh, and you know, and and basically, he he points out, you know, okay, we all agree on uh, basically, uh, at least within evangelicalism, on the passive obedience of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, so he bore our sin. He died in our place. Yeah. Substitutionary atonement. Yep. Um, but. Uh, what happens in the work of Christ is uh, a double imputation, right? So our sins are imputed to him on the cross. He bears them, he dies for them. But if that's it, um, Jonti points out, yeah, right, yeah. we're back to square one. We're back to where Adam was. Have another go. And it's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, it's like just starting I've over. I've read this book before, I know yeah. how it ends. <laughs> like, this doesn't change, doesn't really change anything. Right. Um, and, and there are Christian traditions that say, hey, there's one way or another, you know, maybe this is when you're baptized, maybe it's, it's when you come to faith. It does. It brings you to square one again. Yes. That's where you start. That's yeah. not the good news. <laughs> That's no, not good news. Yeah, uh, that, is just, uh, that is just to say that you now have to do it all on your own again, yeah. as Adam did. Um, and, and so that's not good news. But yeah. um, the, the beauty of understanding the active obedience of Christ and the dub and double imputation that not only were our sins imputed to him, it's but his righteousness. righteousness has been imputed to Praise us, yeah. is that he, in fact, has already lived a righteous life, fulfilling the law on our behalf, so that that becomes ours. Right? Yes. That's, he's, um, as the covenant head, and as the one who's promised, to fulfill the full of the covenant, right? Taking on the curses and also fulfilling its obligations. Um, yeah. He's he's done that. He's fulfilled every condition by obeying the law uh, fully, completely. And and yeah, that's this is huge uh, because it's where it's those two things together is what gives us hope that we're not just um, trying to do things on our own again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the beginning of Ephesians one where. He talks about you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. So there's this abundance and overflow of spiritual riches that we have who are in Christ. And like Michael said, it's not just a wipe the slate clean, try again. It's I wiped the slate clean, plus I also deposited, you know, a boatload of riches into your account of, you know, of righteousness. So, I, right. yeah, it is impo it's cr it's important to realize not only... Uh, was his death and resurrection vital, but his life was vital. And it was vital because if he, you know, if he didn't fully fulfill the law, then he would not have been able to be a perfect sacrifice on behalf of man. But also he wouldn't have been able to impute to us the righteousness that is required by God. And I, I think, you know, this is kind of where, again, this is one of the problems with something like Roman Catholicism, right? Is they, that they believe in that baptismal regeneration. So they baptize an infant they say, bam, they, they've had this act of grace, so now they're, they're in this, like, innocent state, 
but then they can, commit as they go on, they can commit sins. Yeah, they yep. can commit sins. So that's that's exactly the problem that we're talking about is that, you know, Jesus doesn't just get us to square one. He, he, right. he makes that analogy of, like, how he was in debt about 1,500 pounds. The guy's, you know, lives in the UK, so he uses pounds. Um, <laughs> whatever. He's like, a day, whatever, yeah. whatever. Get to the USD. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, even though the pound's probably doing better than the US dollar right now. Yes. But anyways, that's Whoa. beside the point. But um, but he was like 1,500 pounds in debt. And then he would work through the summer and clear all that debt. Yeah. But, okay. then, um, but then he'd be like right at the beginning of the semester, he'd be back at square one. He'd be at zero. So he wasn't really like, yes, he wasn't in debt, but he also wasn't in a good position because he right. had no money. Right. Um, we're, that's not where we're at right now. It's not like, okay, I'm debt free, but then I gotta, I gotta work so I can like survive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I gotta work so I can harder so I can make money. No, he's already done everything. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then we, and then we live in that, right? Uh, and I'll kind of try to touch on this. This is stuff I've kind of been thinking about as I prepare to, you know, talk about mm-hmm. grace alone. He's like, okay, how do I, how do I convey like it's the all the work of Christ that saves us, but you also don't make His grace cheap by not doing like by not doing anything mm-hmm. or not, you know. But again, it's it's that difference between the f- it's the fruit that comes out of a saved mm-hmm. life, not what contributes to salvation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a key distinction. You think about it, like you, so you were in massive debt, and then you were adopted. Um, you have a new yeah. father who pays your debt, and then also is like, yeah, unbelievably wealthy. Yes, but he's also a good father, so he's not like you get to be a bum now. Yeah, right. You just get yeah. to sit around and play spoiled. video games. Yeah. Yeah. What, what no, it's all right. We're gonna go work. Like, and we're gonna work together, right? You're yes. a part of this now. You're yes. part of the family business. Yeah. Like, you're getting a job. You're working hard. You have to start on the, you know, on yeah. the factory floor with everybody else, and maybe you can work your way up mm-hmm. uh, to where we're at. But like, you have to learn how to work too, and yeah. that's like part of the the grace and, and yeah. goodness. Uh, that he shows to us in, in not leaving us in that. Yeah. And part of giving us a new heart, um, giving us his, his righteousness, is yes. that we also desire that, right? We yeah. want to please yeah. him and we want to live in a way that pleases him, yep. um, despite knowing that we don't have to to earn his love. Right? Yes. He loves us. He's our father. Mm-hmm. He's He loves us already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to please him. Yeah, but a good father doesn't just let their kids do whatever they want, right? right? It's, it's like, hey, I love you. You're part of the family. You're in. Right, you're not gonna, you're not, you're not gonna do anything to mess this up. Like, you're not gonna do anything to like get kicked out of the family. But I'm also gonna teach you how to do things yep. that are productive, that sh- you know, that um, are for your good. Yeah. And you so know, you become for the good like of the me, family. right? Yeah. So be, I, because I want you yes. to become like me, I exactly. want you to grow yeah. and um, and become like me. Yeah, and reflect my image, and then also bring honor to the family name, right? Not not dishonor the family name. Yeah. So let's talk about these three that you brought up, Chase, um, of the, grave, the grave, guilt, and grime, and the, the ways that Christ deals with those things. Um, so the grave, obviously, symbolizing death, um, the covenant curse of death, separation from for God, sin. the penalty yeah. for sin. Uh, I love, love on page 120, you know, where he points out that when Jesus died, he did so bearing the covenant curse that his crown of thorns mm, reminds dude, us of the yes. first time that curses were oh pronounced right back in Genesis 3. It's almost like it had the same on the earth became <laughs> a symbol of God's curse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great. So that's good. so beautiful um, yeah. that here he literally has is having the curse of Adam placed on top of him mm-hmm. as he um, is hung from a tree. 
Yeah. Right. Which also, you know, thinking about garden imagery and garden yeah. analogy, there are two trees. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. Uh, Christ is both, really. I mean, he yeah. takes on both. He, he, uh, he being hung on a tree is the curse, uh, but he also is life. Yeah. He's right. giving life. Yeah, that's, that goes hand in hand. With, I mean, on 127, in his conclusion of the chapter, he says, the cross is the place where God most clearly shows his glory. Yeah. And that's, uh, there's a pastor I really enjoy where he was going through John last year around this time. And he was just talking about how the crown, in the sense the crown being glory, has always come through the cross. That's the theme we see across yeah. Scripture. Glory always comes through this suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Christ is the, the ultimate embodiment of that truth. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah, and so his, his uh, you know, the response to... The grave is the resurrection, right? Yep. That, that Christ rose from the dead. Yeah. So exactly right. That like you know the crown comes after the yep. cross. Um, you know, or we could say life comes after death. Yep. Resurrection comes after the grave. Yeah. Yeah. He. He. Yeah. Like what he says on, you know, page one nineteen here. He he takes the grave. Right. The wages of sin is death. Jesus never sinned. So why should he have to die? Obviously, Adam and Eve, they were. They were the covenant head. They were the federal. Uh, Adam was the federal head, and he he sinned, and then plus plunged us into death. But Jesus took that on our behalf. Um, I, I like that he quotes, you know, Hebrews ten four through seven here, um, talking about hey the old the old testament like the old testament sacrificial system wasn't wasn't the end in itself. It was yeah, it wasn't sufficient. Yeah. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings are in burnt offerings and sin offerings, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And and then, like you said, Chase, only humans can pay the price for human sin, mm-hmm. and that's why Jesus became man. That's why God prepared for him a body. Praise God. Yeah, that that. Um, G and R, respectively, the grave and resurrection. The section concludes with a, yeah. a nice paragraph here on 121. He writes, "The resur- and this is all about yeah, these new bodies. The resurrection yeah. bodies Jesus earns for us will never wither or fade. They will be spiritual, not in the sense of not physical, but rather full of the Spirit and fit for heaven. In short, they will be far more glorious even than Adam's original sinless body. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh Let's do it. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Um, man, sounds yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. It's incredible. I th- and uh, also something I think we 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 err in is kind of this. It, it's kind of that that Greek idea, right? That the physical is bad. Like the the the, mat- the material. Right. Like the material is bad. We got to totally separate and like right. we got to get to this spiritual, right. you know, ethereal yes. state or whatever. Yeah. But no. God isn't a, he's not abandoning the physical. He's going to renew it. You know, Jesus that's, rose bottle. He rose bottle. Yeah, right? right? He is, he is <laughs> in a fish. He ate fish. He's, <laughs> a, he's in a physical. That's fascinating. Maybe all that happens in the new creation is God bans spinning and bait casting rods and only allows fly fishing rods. Maybe that's. <laughs> I, I got to learn how to fly fish. <laughs> 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 Maybe I will. <laughs> You're not going to be let in. You're not going to be let in. <laughs> 
and I, I, get, I get to the gate and they just hand me a flyer on it's like cash. I'm like, and no. back to guilt. <laughs> back to guilt. <laughs> if I do cut this out, it will seem like a weird a show seamless yeah. transition. So right there, um, the rest will be in the bonus content. Yeah. Takes our guilt. He takes our guilt, right? So there won't be some kind of test when you get to heaven on whether or not you can use a fly rod. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Maybe there should be. Maybe. There should be. <laughs> I mean, yeah. New chase starts a new denomination. <laughs> new the fly fishing Baptist Union of, the, of North America. Fishers of Men. Fishers of Men Baptist yes. Church. Uh, you've got like Seventh Day Baptist and you've got fly fishing. Fly fishing. Baptist. <laughs> oh my goodness. Some can't eat pork. Some can only catch fish. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You only oh, artificial man. baits allowed. Oh, that's man. right. Yeah. Well, Rhodes writes uh, the top here of the guilt section. He says in a paragraph, the Bible often uses the language or the picture of financial debt to teach about sin. When we're forgiven, our debt is wiped away. However filthy your sin, however ashamed you are, however badly you hurt God or a fellow human being, it has been wiped away. So that that is just dealing with our guilt. But now further so covenant curses alleviated covenant blessings heaped onto us and this is the second r so after resurrection we are now at righteousness, righteousness. yeah this is where i use that uh, uh section yeah. talking about the incurring 1500 pounds per was it semester yeah. or so yeah and then going and working it off yeah um Rhodes writes on 122 rather than our spiritual accounts being wiped free of debt and just returned to zero yeah. they're given infinite credit the bible calls this justification or being counted as righteous this is positional righteousness yeah yes yeah. see it all the way back with abraham um, as the father of faith the father of the justified um, this this um, statement that um, abraham believed god and it was counted to him as righteousness Mm. Um, that that is, that is um, how he was justified, just as it is true with us. But it is, it's so beautiful um, to, to see that, again, that double-sided, yeah. dealing with the guilt and lavishing grace upon us all at the same time. Yep. Yeah. So, so third, um, he talks about grime. Grime. Love the, I do love the alliteration. Mm-hmm. You just yeah. yeah. Oh, it's super helpful for remember. I mean, I think the three P's being the big one for me that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned that in your teaching your children, but these are great too. Yeah. Yeah. So the grime um, is, you know, uh, he uh, says, that, uh, you know, until that is, Jesus comes to rescue. This is the second paragraph. Uh, when we died with Jesus, the power of sin over us was killed too. Uh, for one who has died has been set free from sin he quotes Romans yeah. 6 and so um, we're, we've been brought into a position not that um, it's impossible for us to sin but that it's possible for us not to sin mm-hmm. this is important Praise to recognize that God's put us in a position where because of the, the merit of Christ because of what Christ has already done um, we can now live in such a way that we actually can please him. we can be truly obedient yeah. because yeah. of the spirit and yeah. so this is you know um, there's a lot of times that people who um, recognize the wrath of God, the justice of God, uh, will then be fearful of God a lot of their life because they'll say, well, what? I'm, I, like, I still messed up, I still mm-hmm. sin, I still you know, do these things. Um, and uh, the reality is that God has, number one, um, dealt with that guilt right already, all of your sin, mm-hmm. past and present and future. Um, and so you don't have to be concerned about that in the way that you think 
there's going to be punishment. You can still be concerned in the sense that you can be disciplined. Yeah. Uh, but as we're told in in First John four, uh, perfect love casts out the fear of punishment. Right. Mm. So um, you don't have to be afraid that well, I'm not going to be the child of God anymore. Yeah. Um, Adoption revoked. That's right. Right. Mm. Right. That's not going to happen. But even more so, um, it should be clear that God has has put you in a position, and you should be encouraged to know that you're not just going to stay the same your whole life. You, yes. shouldn't be, yeah. uh, you shouldn't be in a position where you just say, yeah. yeah, nothing ever changes in my life. I, you know, Maybe you struggle with the same kinds of sins, um, but the power of sin in your life should be, over time, broken right. more and more. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, you know, the experience of, of any Christian um, as you are sanctified is not progressively thinking better of yourself, like thinking, man, I'm so much further from sin. Generally speaking, you recognize your sin all the more clearly. Right. You recognize that there's even more sin in you than you realize right. at first. Hopefully you're actually less sinful, but you're more aware exactly. of yeah, yeah. the existence. But, but on an objective level, you actually have begun, hopefully, and slowly over time, more and more, yeah. Praise to God. please God in your life. Yeah, yeah and of course, that, so all this, the paragraph you just read reminds me a lot of Ephesians, the back half of chapter 4, where he writes about how, hey, this is how the Gentiles walk, and he describes, he calls them yeah. callous and hard-hearted, yep. and he says, you're to put on the new self, because yes. you're not like that anymore, uh, unlike yeah. the Gentiles who give themselves over to impurity, right. and have desires for more and more, now, because of this yeah. inward renewal, because of this inside-out transformation, now you can live new lives, new yeah. selves. Yeah. It's the it's the promise of uh, Philippians 1.6, right? You know, I... And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he begins a good work in us. He will continue to work it in us, right? It's not, it's God who works and wills in our, us. It's God who works in us to will and to do what he's called us to do. Mm. And then until that point where, you know, we go and be with him and then we're ultimately glorified. Um, but on page 123, uh, I, lo- I love how... Yeah, um, Jaunty puts the, puts mm. this in like the end of like one of the middle paragraphs. Christ people have new natures and renewed hearts that will lead to lives of ever increasing degrees of holiness. We are even slaves mm. of righteousness, ultimately not able to resist living holy lives. Irresistible so holiness. irresistible holiness. Oh. That's that is yeah. that is a, a profound statement because mm. it's we were. It talks about in Romans. I forget the exact point, but it talks about how we were. When we were slaves of sin, we were free in regards to righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm like, that's such an interesting way of putting it because we often have this idea of like, we're in this neutral state and like we can kind of choose which way to go. Like I can choose to sin or I can choose to do it. It's like, no, you were free from righteousness. You were slave to sin. All Your whole nature was to choose sin, right? And then until you were transferred into the kingdom of Christ, until you were adopted, then you become slaves of righteousness, not unwilling, but that you willingly want to do what is right you want to you love god so you want to keep his commandments yeah your desires are changed not that you will live perfect right he says ever increasing degrees of holiness right so that means you know we're we're progressing right through the power of god and his holy spirit living in us but ultimately the true believer the one who has been truly changed is not able to resist Mm. living a holy life they they will they will hate their sin more and more and they will love christ and his commands more and more and want to do them so Mm. Yeah. Well, then he starts to tie the threads back together. Uh, he talks about the offspring of yep. Galatians 3. Uh, hmm. Then he talks about marriage as an illustration for the two becoming one and like yep. just how clearly when God looks at Jesus, now we are represented by his, his headship there. Yep. Um, 
And then he talks about faith again. He says here, 125, from our end, the connection, that connection is faith, the condition of the covenant of grace. If we keep this condition, trusting in Christ, we are immediately attached to the faithful covenant king together with all the blessings he enjoys. And, and, it's, and it's kind of to talk about that too and clarify that, you know, it's like if we keep the condition of faith, and some people might mistranslate that like, oh, I got to keep up this faith. I got to keep up this faith. Well, remember what Ephesians 2, or Ephesians 2 says, faith is a gift. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not yourself. is a gift of God. So it's God who gives mm. you the f- f- grace. He's God who, it's God who gives you the faith. And then he gives us the ability to work it out. You know, we're going to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, his, it's him working through us. Yeah, this is that right? distinction between meritorious and necessary preconditions. Of, yes. Hey, yep. no, we're not going to be so um, into one end of the ditch where we're saying yeah. faith isn't a precondition. No, faith is a condition of yes. the new covenant. But praise yeah. God, it's not it's something given. that you're going to earn yourself. Yeah, it's given to us. Yeah. And then we work from what we've been given, not yeah. not work to get to the to a certain point. We work from, hey, we've been given this new nature. We've been given faith. Right. We've been given grace. And now we, you know, we live from that. Praise God. From that point. In fact, we weren't alive until we got, mm-hmm. God got us to that point. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what the Bible's clear testimony this time and time again yes where then he brings up union uh, so union yeah. with christ uh, being united to him and it's such a important and beautiful image yeah. um, you know he talks about the you know uh, blood of my blood bone of my bone yeah uh, you know this this image of total complete union and and uh, oneness I, um, when I got our wedding wedding bands made, um, you were able to engrave the inside of it. So I wanted to get uh, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. That wouldn't all fit, so I just had them put down flesh of my flesh. But the jeweler who was recording it clearly was not a Christian and had yeah. no Christian background. So they just see me write down, oh, yeah, what I want engraved on my ring is flesh of my flesh. And you could tell us she was yeah. very caught off. She, had, like, she was like, what are weird. you doing? <laughs> you yeah. weirdo. Yeah. Very, <laughs> you weirdo. Yeah. It was very, like, uh, just, I'm not even going to try to explain. I understand how that can sound weird. <laughs> no. like, you, yeah. Sorry, I'm not versed in Hebrew poetry. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, <boy. laughs> yeah, it's funny. Understood, right? Um, yeah, so that brings it all. That brings it all together, ties right? Yeah, yeah. It, it ties it all together. How Christ is a covenant head yeah. of a new covenant. Um, it's, yeah, beautiful. Really beautiful. Yeah. Next week, chapter chapter nine is covenant salvation.